the Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide. It's the fifth Friday in the month when we're recording this. And when, when it's the fifth Friday, it means we bring back the one and only Max Hartington, don't we, Max? Yes, we do. Good to be back. You're quite happy with that, aren't you? Every single time, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Max is even more chuffed with the fact that he's got a fan. He apparently, uh, somebody came up to him in the street called Will and just said, oh, I love your podcast. That's not what he said. I'm really sorry, Will. You just said that. What did he say? <laughs> no, he came up to me and said, I, I listened to the podcast. He didn't, you know, he sounds a lot deeper voice than that. Really? Yeah. I bet it's not much deeper. Not the way you said it. I'm really sorry, Will, but thanks for listening. Yeah. No, no, it's nice. It's nice. You've got a fan. Well done. That's two, actually, now. There was Joe a few weeks back and now you've got Will. It's a, it's a growing army. There are, there are dozens of them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hello to everyone listening, whether you're new or old, you know, um, and I don't mean old as in like ancient, although we welcome, we welcome people of all ages. Yeah, if you can watch a, if you can watch a film, then that's... Yeah, yeah, okay. Maybe, so, I don't know, it depends if you're able to watch a lot, a lot of the films I recommend, you probably need to be a certain age to... Well, to appreciate. Watch, yeah, appreciate. And yeah. it's a pretty small window, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're only going to be a couple of years either side and you're going to think, why do you pick that? Yeah, why is this guy, yeah. why is this guy recommending a film yeah. with an explosion every single week? Yeah. But if you're, if, you're, if you're a person who's, who's uh, in that sort of early to mid-20s bracket, who, who's got a heart for the 80s, then, then you'll probably love your choices. You're in luck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what we do here on the Film Guide, each and every week, uh, we look at the host, this time Max Hartington. Uh, we look at his choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. We'll also look at a film uh, that uh, Max has chosen for a section that is Max's Action Films, which is where... Um, his action films that take it to the max yeah and uh his little face lights up every time yeah uh okay and then uh we'll also look at new releases on the streaming services but starting out with the cinema and uh it's gonna be uh, you know in a way the big summer one's already out and now it's kind of like your family friendly fair that's going to be released i suppose yeah i think a lot of the schools came out this week and that sort of leads into uh releasing uh today this friday we have dc league of super pets coming to a cinema near you now this is animated isn't it this is an animated one, yeah, and it's all about, uh, well, one of the super pets I'm aware of, so Crypto the Superdog, who's Superman's uh, pet dog, seems to lead a group of uh, ragtag pets to free the Justice League after they're imprisoned by Lex Luthor. Okay, so so some of the characters we would have heard of there before, because yeah. you just mentioned um, uh, Lex Luthor and Superman. Superman, and, Batman. Yeah, yeah. now uh, some interesting voices in there as well, aren't there? Yeah, and let's start with Batman. Yeah, well, so Batman himself is voiced by none other than the Keanu Reeves. You've got John Krasinski playing Superman, which I think is quite nice. He's sort of, he's, I mean, his career's really been on the up recently, haven't we? And of course, we cannot forget our, our two stars, shall we say. Uh, first is Crypto the Superdog, we have Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and we have his best mate, Kevin Hart, playing Ace the Bat Dog as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's those two again. Yeah, look, they're back. Yeah, I mean, they seem to have a lot of fun together. Exactly. I think it sort of it seems like from seeing the trailers alone that they must have had a lot of fun in the studio. I, I'm, I choose to believe they were stood next to each other recording because that well, one it's funny to look at them stood next to each other, which is eighty percent of the humour of their films. Yeah, but also it's a, it's a nice idea as well. They bounce off each other very well. Yeah. Now I also noticed in the cast, and I'm just looking this up to make sure it is the right person. It's um, uh, I believe he's known as TV's Richard Arnold, who's on. Uh, is he on GMTV? He's there. Is he their TV correspondent or their, their showbiz correspondent or something like that? And he's in it as well. Not too sure. Yeah, no, he is definitely. He It says here he plays Waffles. He's the voice of Waffles. Waffles. <laughs> now, some of these animated films, what they do is they give smaller parts to 
people who are fairly big in a particular or fairly well known in a particular country but they will have recast that for other territories. I've noticed that in a few films. So it's quite possible that uh, GMTV's Richard Arnold might only be the voice in the UK release. That might be. I do remember there was, I think it was Wreck-It Ralph that came out a few years ago. There was a specific thing where one character was recast as Nick Grimshaw from BBC Radio. Yeah, from Radio 1. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, because uh, it, uh, yeah, because I remember some years back, Chris Moyles did a voice on shrek one of the shrek movies he had a small part and he was chris, pretty, greg is he chris moles and shrek yeah but he was pretty he was pretty miffed because he was only in the uk version and and it was someone else in other territories um but he was the uk voice and uh, i also remember hearing jonathan ross saying that he was uh, in a similar vein i don't know what film it was but again he was in an animated film yeah. and he was a voice a small part uh, but only in like the English version and American versions, Australian versions, it was somebody else. Makes you wonder who the equivalent is going to be when you go to another country, doesn't it? It does a little bit, yeah. But uh, but anyway, um, so so yeah, the, uh, the, the DC League of Super Pets, uh, animated fun for all the family and uh, using those characters that everyone knows and loves from, from the DC superheroes. It sounds like a summer holiday film. Yeah. For, for, you know, if you want to just... Get the kids quiet for a few hours, and this is probably the one. It's got pets that have superpowers. What more could you want? Well, exactly, and and you know the 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 efforts of the dynamic duo themselves, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart, who this must be what their third film together, maybe more. It's it's definitely more than it's got to be in the double digits at this point. Well, because they did um, they've done two of the Jumanji films now. Haven't two Jumanjis. They? There was. Oh, I think it was the CIA one where Dwayne Dwayne the Rock Johnson plays like a CIA agent from when they when they were high school best friends or something. Um, I'm trying to think what else there is on the top of my head. Definitely Jumanji. Did I'm trying to think if Kevin Hart appeared in Jungle Cruise, which was the one that was done recently, or maybe I'm sure Kevin Hart probably snuck in for a cameo. Um, yeah, so I've got a list here. Uh, Central Intelligence was Central part, Intelligence. The one there you're thinking of. Yeah, there's two Jumanji films. Uh, the League of Super Pets. That's really it cool. says here Hobbs and Shaw. Was he in that? Did he have Kev- a small... Kevin Hart made a cameo in Hobbs right. and Shaw? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so there you go. That's Remember. at least five movies now that that that, that duo have done. So together. if you want to make your way into the the the, the Hart's Johnson cinematic universe, then you have to see this one. I'm pretty sure that would be the Johnson Hart one, but there you go. <laughs> anyway, that's a DC League of Super Pets, which is out in the cinemas right now. Time now to take a look at uh, the new releases on streaming services. Just one on Netflix we're going to tell you about this week. This is, uh, uh, we, we talk about the original movies that are released on these services. Uh, there's loads of films that come out on these services all the time. Too many to keep up with. But the new, the, the new releases of original movies, there is one Netflix original that's out uh, on, uh, the, well, it's out now. And it's called Purple Hearts. Uh, in spite of their many differences, uh, Cassie, a struggling singer-songwriter, and Luke, a troubled Marine, agree to marry solely for the military benefits. After a, a horrible tragedy that happens to them, uh, they find the line between real and pretend begins to blur. So it's a uh, romantic uh, film about, a romance drama basically about a singer-songwriter who learns to love the, uh, the military guy who she pretends to be married to for the benefits. Okay. Pretty yeah. much just recited the story there for you, but that's... That seems to be it. If you like, I think, I think if you like this sort of film, you can go watch the trailer and I think you'll know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah what well, what we should point out here is that you know we always make it clear if we've seen a film yeah but we we don't hold back if if from what we have seen of a film if we think this isn't one to watch this isn't going to bother your um your television is it i i don't think it's going to be on mine personally but you know if you like this we well, say you don't think that means there's wiggle room so you are tempted of course yeah i mean you're not, are you? No, I'm not. I'm, no. I'm, I'm trying to be generous. I'll no. be honest. This film wasn't for me. If you if you know you like your drama and you know you like your uh, US military, then, hey, I've got a film for you. Yeah. Uh, it's some Netflix film about singing to troops, was what your note said. <laughs> it's been slightly embellished since. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, there is a market for this, I'm sure. Yeah. If that sounds like your sort of thing, uh, it says here it, says, uh, it falls within the genres of dra- drama, music and romance. It's not a musical. I'm guessing that there's a lot of music within the movie. Yeah, it's more about, I think it's about the uh, Cassie learning to, you know, d- discover herself and discover how she can sing a good song. And it's going to be focused about the troops. Okay. Given that that's taken two minutes and we've got like a podcast to pad out here, I thought I'd mention your song of music. And I should have mentioned this in the last section, but uh-huh. I saw the Elvis film uh recently oh really yeah and uh i I was i was very impressed by it really yeah so uh, if i'm not particularly an elvis fan i I don't dislike him and and i do have an appreciation for what he's done for music and i like some of his songs but i wouldn't call myself a massive fan of his you know you're not one of those people who uh totally hated him are you you're not on the the whole sort of the the parents of the 50s no 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 not in the least no i just you know it wasn't really uh, uh, his music was you know it's alright like it, a bit of J House Rock yeah mm, yeah um, it's rhyming slang but uh, no this particular movie uh, it was just it was astounding the way it was done and and the, the way that, that Austin Butler the, the young actor who is playing Elvis the way he's brought him to life and, yeah. and particularly in the musical performances they were just astounding you could see why people thought that Elvis was this yeah. phenomenon well, it's Baz Luhrmann, isn't it? And he's very—he's got a big thing for spectacle, which I think would suit a retelling very much. Yeah. In that and story. also, it was interesting the way that uh, that Baz Luhrmann had fused um, very, very modern music and culturally very different music Sweet. in. Yeah, it's what he it's does, what he doesn't, does it? doesn't it? Yeah. It makes me think back to the Great Gatsby film, which still makes me smash plates and anger when I think about it. I'm not yeah. a fan of that. No, no. But well, but you know, maybe Elvis is. Well, this was done in a more subtle way. I, I took a few old people to go and see this movie because it was like the hottest day of the year, and I thought, well, cinemas are air conditioned, so I might keep them alive a bit longer. You know, <laughs> keep them moist. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 so uh, so we went into the air uh, we went into the air conditioned cinema to watch this, and um, and I said afterwards about, oh, it's interesting. You know, some of the some of the rap music and some of the 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 cultural like differences in the music that was used in the background compared to the music that was in the foreground mm. and they didn't even notice so i think it's done in a very subtle way i suppose that isn't it I, I guess it's the whole elvis was very much blending music during his time he was sort of blending like music from different cultures and bringing it to different audiences wasn't it so in yeah. that way baz Luhrmann has respected the spirit of what elvis wanted to do yeah yeah um and and so yeah there was because yeah very much so uh, elvis sort of crossed genres and he he introduced music of a particular type to a wider audience and mm. and and you know he he wasn't afraid to uh to do that uh so yeah it was interesting but the best the best thing of all about it was the almost unrecognizable performance of tom hanks that that was in there uh, as colonel tom parker as, as elvis's manager and um the the story was very much narrated by that character very much told from that character's mm. perspective 
and um, he, he, Tom Hanks was under a lot of prosthetics and was 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 look, he looked almost unrecognisable, uh, but was really really good as well. He's at that point where he can do that though, can't he? Like he's done all, all of his recognisable roles. It's time for Tom Hanks to just choose roles that he thinks are fun, even if he puts himself underneath a pound of makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he he was uh, he was very uh, very good, and uh, yeah, a great movie. I suspect it will do rather well uh, for nominations at the mm. awards ceremony. Whether it will win. Who knows? But Let's it, see if it runs up against Purple Hearts in the, uh, in the yeah, Academy Awards. I, I suspect. Yeah, I think I know which one. It's going to be fair. Better. It's going to be close this year. I can feel it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there you go. So that's Elvis, which is still around at the moment in the cinemas. So uh, do check it out if that is your thing. The Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the Sonobus Podcast with Danny Smith. We've reached that time in the show where we are ready for Max's action films, uh, where Max chooses an action film that takes it to the Max. I'm getting more expressive with that as well now. It's not appreciated in audio for No, format, there was, there you, was hand movements. You, you can understand, and I want to put that energy into the uh, the reading. Yeah, no, there was definitely something that came off of that, um, that, that that really you had to be in the room to fully appreciate. I hope you felt it at home as well. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, the uh, the... This this slot this this point in the show uh, it, different weeks it uh, it revolves around, basically it's just an excuse to kind of like talk about a movie that the person likes and focus on one and uh, when Howard Linsky does it it's um, uh, it, it's it's a film that's too good to be forgotten uh, when when Chris Aikman uh, presents it's a film in the foreign language and when Sam Roth presents it's a horror movie but for you it's an action film and uh, you are uh, choosing. Well, you, you were choosing action films of the 80s. This is very much not an action film of the 80s. Tell us about this action film. Of course. So this action film, for what I'm recommending this week, is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Not an 80s film, in fact, because it came out in 2010. Uh, in this film, uh, Michael Cera stars as a as well as none other than the Scott Pilgrim, who basically uh, lives in Toronto, Canada. Uh, but it's sort of like a hyper, over-the-top Toronto where um, you settle dating new people by fighting their ex-boyfriends. And there's the film for you. But uh, no, it's, um, it's while, while I think there's very much, I've had an 80s vibe going on here, sort of like ties to classic action or homages or things like that. This one, I think is very much, it has a very stylized tone to it that you could see in an 80s film, like in that it treats this very sort of, you know, modern, it's got a sort of grungy look to Toronto and it, because it's all about indie indie bands and things like that but it very much has all of these like fight scenes and things that very much remind you of that sort of um 80s over the topness okay uh now tell us about the uh, the cast it's got uh, quite a quite a cast doesn't it yeah so michael Sarah so i think um this was 2010 and a lot of these actors are sort of either in the middle of their career or maybe just starting up as they're picking up so you've got michael Sarah who uh, has starred in plenty of films super bad was his sort of his breakout role but then he's gone to do lots of similar things since um Arrested Development, I remember being a show that he started. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, whose career was really picked up recently. She was in the DC DC Universe. She appeared, I think, in, in one of the ones with um, Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn. Uh, yeah, she was she was the Huntress in Birds of Prey. Yeah, but she also, she, I know that she went to go and star in the Fargo TV series after mm, this as well, yeah. with, uh, uh, along with Hugh McGregor. Uh, she was in the Cloverfield sequel, 10 Cloverfield Yes. Plays. She oh. played, I think she played Bruce Willis's daughter in, in uh, Die Hard 4, or whatever it was called. Really? Live Free or Die Hard. Oh, I'll have to check that one now. Kieran Culkin, who, uh, as this becomes more and more of a succession celebration podcast, of course, has gone on to make, uh, get a major role in that. Anna Kendrick, who uh, you might know from the 
oh, I can't remember it's the acapella acapella of movies uh, it's a series of films where, where oh Pitch Perfect Pitch Perfect there we go uh, Anna Kendrick went on to star in all the Pitch Perfect films and Aubrey Plaza who has gone on to star in uh, more like TV series but Parks and Recreation uh, Legion if you saw that was a really really good one that was all about the X-Men uh, and Jason Schwartzman uh, and of course personal favourite actor who's made a few appearances here Chris Evans makes an appearance in this film as one of the evil exes as well okay yeah so in this film uh, Michael Sarah stars as, uh, as Scott Pilgrim who basically because he very much likes uh, Ramona Flowers played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead he will do anything to get a date with her uh, and that pretty much devolves into him having to fight off a bunch of evil ex-boyfriends who all have different themes to them Chris Evans I, I, I have to spoil his appearance but he stars as an, uh, her ex who's an action stuntman and who fights by fighting with all of his stunt doubles at the same time. Okay. We, we should point out that this is the Chris Evans who was Captain America, not the radio host. Not, not the one from the, uh, the, inferior, the top gear that didn't do quite so well. Yeah. <laughs> not that Chris Evans. <laughs> but of course, and in terms of directing, it's directed by Edgar Wright. And I think that's very much uh, apparent from the way you can see uh, how, how this looks and just, how, just so, how it plays. So those who don't know as much about movies as you do, uh, what or who is Edgar Wright? You will know Edgar Wright as the director who is best buds with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yeah, so he's, made, an, he's an English director. He's an Englishman. He? Uh, you might know him from certain films such as Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, uh, The World's End. You might know him from... Ooh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver, the other one that's uh, got him nominated. Most recently, Last Night in Soho as well. Yes. Yeah. So he's big on his horror and his visual effects. Yeah. I see as well that he is making The Running Man. The Running Man. Which I believe is, yes, The Running Man, which is indeed um, a a remake of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the 80s, based on a short story by Stephen King. So Edgar Wright is a big fan of the 80s as well. Yeah. Um, which ties to this yeah yeah, yeah. in terms of in terms of action scenes I mean it's got it's basically every single uh, ex has a fight scene very entertaining to watch and it just it just looks gorgeous it really is fantastic it does it it has this very over the top sort of tries to make the real world very arcadey to say that a director is quite a visual director is a little bit of a a, of a a, anachronism because because obviously directing in a movie is a very visual format Um, I think what I meant to say was Edgar Wright has a certain style no I wasn't criticising you for saying that I was saying people would say this of Edgar Wright but but it's because he has a particular visual style there's a there is something in, in his movies that, that sometimes you don't notice the directing of a movie mm. as much, uh, but, but with, with his, there, there is certainly a, a distinctive visual style. I think if you watch this one, look for the visual humour. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, which Now, this sounds like the sort of thing, there should be a franchise or something. Are there, are there sequels? Are there other f- movies? There's is- not. It's just the one. So it was an adaptation of a, of a, a comic book series uh, published in Canada, funnily enough. Right. And again, again, that's why very much the style in this looks like it's, well, some of the pages look like, some of the scenes even look like it's a page ripped out of a comic book. Okay. Well, that's uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That is uh, the film this time around for Max's action films, where Max is taking action films to the max. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Time to take a look at uh, Max's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. These are the ones worth watching. No others will do. Yep, all the best of the best. 
Yeah. Or the best of the best available. Yeah, the best of the best. It's, a, it's a very in the five minutes you quickly look for a TV listings guide. I'll have you know, it's a very, very uh, intensive process of me working out what it involves. Uh, you know in Murder Mysteries where they have the big cork board and the red strings? It, yeah. is, it is just like that for me picking the films for the week. Okay, sure. Uh, so start off with a film that I believe you just pick every time you're here. Well, actually, this is a different iteration of the films that I pick every time I hear. Oh, okay. But, but starting today, uh, Friday, uh, Friday the 29th, uh, tonight on Film 4 at 9pm, you can watch Mission Impossible Fallout, which is a very close contender, because last time I was on here, I did actually recommend Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. As oh, a pick, is that well? Whereas this is Mission Impossible Fallout, the sequel that came uh, a few years after. I don't, I don't mean this to be... Now, this will sound rude toward the films, but I don't mean it to I'll, be I'll at all. I'll take it. But I... I, I struggle to differentiate between them if you showed me an excerpt from like one of those movies i wouldn't i don't know how well i'd be able to place it beyond if it was in the first or the second one so i do sort of see where you're coming from because maybe i'm just a super fan who can tell you know i look at a certain scene and they go oh this character's in it i can see the locale but i think it's a case of you're very much being carried by on Tom Cruise's wild ride between different locations and sort of what crazy ideas he can come up with. So this film does have uh, a few different locales and things, but I think it's, you're keeping an eye out for, you know, for it, it's like watching a Bond film. You're watching for a backdrop and you're watching for what sort of crazy stunts are going to happen with that backdrop, essentially. Uh, this one in particular, I can really recommend because it brings uh, Henry Cavill to the team. Uh, and I think he's just absolutely fantastic in this film. There is one fight scene in particular. Again, it does sound like I'm just doing the action film section, doesn't it? It does. Now, with with this one, I remember seeing a trailer for this movie. Yes. And it made it look like Tom Cruise was fighting Henry Cavill. Yes. And he's not. No. So in that in that scene in particular, it's a case of spoilers with the film the two of them are tasked with catching one other person but the way the trailer cuts into it now this is one they, they find one one rather short like guy who doesn't seem very intimidating who then proves himself to be a massive kung fu master and then you have uh, tom cruise doing his sort of martial arts and then you have henry cavill's playing this absolute bruiser so this one bathroom just gets completely smashed up over the case of uh, 15 minutes yeah. Really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No. Great. Great sequence. But yeah, the, you know, you're watching the trailer. So, so therefore, I'm watching. I don't. Know, maybe this was by design. But I'm thinking, oh, Henry Cavill. He's a wrongun in this movie. I mean, he is a wrongun in this film. Well, there you go. Spoiler. No, not as a spoiler. As in, like, he basically Tom Tom Cruise is playing. You know, Ethan Hunt, who's the very sort of honourable. Oh, we're doing the right thing. We're trying to solve. They're trying to find the syndicate, who are the bad guys from the previous film. Uh, Henry Cavill is introduced as basically a CIA assassin whose job is just to be an absolute bruiser who. Uh, doesn't gel with the the sort of Mr. Possible crew, crew at all. He's the sort of uh, the blunt instrument to everybody else's uh, screwdriver. Right. Do, do you want to? Do you want to? Did you know I can do a Henry Cavill impression? Oh, let's see. Perfect. It, honestly, it's like Superman. It's watching. a visual. It's a visual one. Superman. But, you may not have seen it. I'll, I can give a visual, mm-hmm. vi- yeah, an, an audio description Basically, of what happened. He, he on there. cocks his guns, doesn't the he? The door opened and Henry Cavill walked yeah. in with. Sadly, he'd have the mustache that uh, sank an entire studio. But. Yeah. But no, he did. He did this thing, didn't he? Where he basically he yeah, he sort of reloaded his fists. Yeah, he, he pumps his, his 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 arms, and it, yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> it's great. But they kept it in the trailer. Uh, uh, it's various, in the film. Various chat shows. Um, Tom Cruise has mocked Henry Cavill for it. Henry Cavill has laughed along sportingly because to mock Tom Cruise back would end his career. Invoke the wrath of Zeno. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Do it. 
of that. <laughs> so, which uh, I might have just done yeah. for this podcast. Well, there you go. Uh, never mind. But um, but no, Mission Impossible Fallout is. I, I I do not mean to take anything away. I think it's a fantastic franchise. I, I think the fact that you can you can barely distinguish one from the other because they all seem to involve massive chase sequences with death-defying stunts throughout glamorous European locations, uh, often sometimes London. Yeah. That, that, that's already described three of them. Yeah, uh, London does make another appearance in this one. So yeah. I think Tom Tom sort of chooses uh, the locations he likes. And where, I love how you maybe think it's Tom where, Maybe it's where he can get away. In, in my mind, the Mission Impossible franchise is just Tom has a checklist of uh, jump off X building in Y location. I think maybe like a dartboard. I think you'll find that the financiers have a checklist of where offered good tax breaks to make movies. And, and that's where they go That's and London is a, a particularly good venue for tax breaks which is why a lot of movies yeah, Thor um, one of the Thor movies was set in London wasn't it yes yeah, um, yeah it, 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 there's reasons for this starting a starting a you know Fast and Furious they've done at least I don't know I'm not liking this reality 14, check 14 of them I think they've done now I'm not liking this reality check you're giving me yeah are you well. going to tell me that they in fact did not uh, jump all those cars out of those buildings in the Fast and Furious 7 now I don't think that, I don't think any of that happened at all I think it was a bloke with a mouse he clicked and he, a few times and he copied and pasted and boom there you go not like the old days when you yeah. had a proper proper stunt man although I do gather that Tom Cruise likes to pride himself in his stunt action sequences on yeah. on, on doing a lot of it in camera doing a lot of it for real yeah well there is one there's one particular shot in this film where Tom jumping over a building Tom I'm going to call him Tom because we're clearly mates on a first name basis now uh, jumped off a building and uh, smacked his leg against the, the side of it and that shot remains in the, the film no which he is smacked he, his leg he broke his he leg, broke against, his leg yeah. against the side of the, the thing and, and yeah, oh, so and was softening you, the blow and you see him uh, you, and, and they left that shot yeah. in, in the movie where he actually did break his leg although he carried on and did it a couple he, more times didn't yeah. he because uh, and, and you saw him running on his broken leg because he's Tom Cruise you yeah, know because he can do that yeah yeah, there's a there's a story um, about him recently where uh, it would seem that he was telling some um, safety guy about some stunt he wanted to do in a movie, and 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 he said, so I said to the safety guy, this is what I want to do, and this is how I want to do, it. and I've had this thought for ages, and we can do this, and the safety guy went, absolutely not. So then Tom Cruise went and found another safety guy, got a new one, <laughs> kept doing that until he found one that said, yeah, go on, you can do it. <laughs> Know your place in the cruise tatorship. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But uh, anyway, uh, the, these if you like your action movies, you can't find much better than this. Yeah, if you're, listen, if you're listening to me recommend action films and you want something that's more modern, more make, making the most, it's still, this is the one to go for. Okay, Mission Impossible Fallout, the latest of the highly successful uh, and, and really you know high quality movies as well, the Mission Impossible series. Uh, this is on Film 4, 9pm on Friday the 29th of July. Let's move to Saturday the 30th of July, ITV 2, 6.55pm, Bruce Almighty. Jim Carrey stars as Bruce Nolan, a television reporter who is discontented with almost everything in his life despite his popularity and the love of his girlfriend. At the end of the worst day of his life, Bruce angrily, angrily ridicules God and decides that he thinks he could do a better job. Uh, this leads to God appearing in the form of none other than Morgan Freeman and telling him, you know what, you think you can do a better job? Go and do it. And the rest is Bruce sort of reacting to his uh, uh, almighty powers. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and it's Jim Carrey doing what he does really well. Yeah. Jim, Jim Carrey, of course, doing an absolutely fantastic job, uh, abusing the powers of God, uh, and then, but then, you know, gradually learning a lesson about it. But it's, um, I think, this might be my first Jim Carrey recommendation since uh, since being on this podcast. Uh, since being on this podcast, okay. actually, and I, I can't believe it's taken this long. But this is, if there's one to look for, this is one of the ones that's really he just puts in a really stellar performance. It's comedic, over the top, and yet when it needs to be. The emotional core sort of hits. Uh, right. Jennifer Aniston, of course, also stars as his, as Grace's girlfriend, who really 
brings the emotional core home. She's sort of the one who to make him uh, make him realize that maybe maybe being God isn't all that. Okay. Now, I don't, I, actually, I don't really want to say this out loud on the the podcast, but is this the film where? And then he points like that, and then they. Yeah, that's the exact one. You're it is of. that film. This is that film. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Just wanted to know. Already got Danny's seal of approval right there. So, <laughs> if you think you like the films Danny recommends, then this this one will be for you as well. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, all right. And and of course, Steve Carell's in there, who went on to be in the sequel. Yeah, he went to be Evan Almighty instead, yeah. which which was the one that made him Noah. Because <laughs> you know why not? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they didn't go overboard on that movie, did they? <laughs> Well, a few people did actually, but yeah. Um, okay, well, there you go. I'm sure it's just a drop in the ocean. Um, so stop there. <sighs> yeah. What's uh, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's Bruce Almighty. That is Max's choice for Saturday, the 30th of July, ITV2, 6:55 p.m. Let's move to Sunday, the 31st of July, ITV4, 9:05 p.m. Rocky, absolute classic here for you. Uh, Rocker. Uh, Rocker? Rocker. Rocky Balboa is a struggling boxer trying to make the big time, uh, working up, working as a debt collector to uh, make a pittance. Heavyweight, uh, heavyweight champion Apollo Creed visits Philadelphia and announces that he's going to have a, an exhibition match where he can find somebody that really impresses him and duke it out. This, of course, leads to Rocky training up to prove that he is worthy of fighting the mighty Apollo Creed. And it's all about the sort of connection uh, that he builds up with the people of Philadelphia while he's uh, getting it's, there. It's the ultimate classic sports underdog story. Yeah. Uh, and, and it is great. And you know what? There are still people out there who've not seen this movie. There are people out there who've not seen it but feel that they've seen it. Yeah. And I would say to those people, go and watch it. It is. Because it's, it's not what you think. It that the, the fight sequence is only toward the end. It's actually quite a poignant drama. It was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, yeah. no less. Uh, it, it in fact got a, lo- a bucket load of nominations when it when it came out. It was considered yeah a, 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 a cracking cracking movie. It was very critically acclaimed. It's, it's not just a sports film. It's a character. You know, it's a character drama. Yeah, uh, with with a great directing by uh, John G. Avildsen, who uh, went and directed. Uh, oh, he also is the guy behind the Karate Kid movies. He directed mm. all three of the Karate Kid movies, uh, written by Sylvester Stallone, as well as starring Sylvester Stallone. A- and the story of how this film came about is also quite interesting. It's an underdog story to create an underdog story, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, yeah, Sylvester Stallone, you know, a tr- very uh, str- much a struggling, um, uh, sort of aspiring actor, aspiring writer, and uh, and he wrote this and and he he so he went to see a, a, a boxing match between Muhammad Ali and a guy, an unknown guy called Chuck Wepner. Yeah, and he was in the audience apparently. And three days later, he had the first draft of Rocky because the the story was similar. Chuck Wepner was an unknown. Um, Muhammad Ali was the greatest boxer in the world at the time, and that, felt well, there was it. no there were no decent. Yeah. Um, competitors out there that I'm is, sat here knowing who Muhammad Ali is and not who Chuck Wetner is so. yeah well Chuck Wetner was completely unknown nobody yeah. knew who he was and and yeah he and Ali was sort of saying you know there's no one out there who can beat me there's no one out there there's no I need decent competition there's no one who can beat me um, is there anyone out there who wants to have a go any any sort of licensed boxer who'd like to have a go uh, and and Chuck Wetner basically said yeah I'll have a go and he didn't win but he went the distance. Yeah. He went 15 rounds with, with Muhammad Ali and made a name for himself to be the character who 
It was an unknown who got into the ring with the world heavyweight boxing champion and did not embarrass himself. And then you became the man who inspired Rocky. Well, yeah, so. and not only that, but it was that wasn't the only part of his life that inspired Rocky because in in a later in in his later life he was in um, uh, he had a about with. Uh, an American wrestler. I think it was Andre the Giant. Oh, wow. Uh, and that was... Th- and in Rocky Three, he has um, a bout with, with a fictional wrestler that was played by Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, and also, this Chuck Wetner ha- used to... Because he was broke and he needed the money, he would he would do things like he had a fight with a bear. Um and 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 it was it, the guy had a very this is real this crazy is, this is like, this isn't a film you're talking about no this no is, this is all real Chuck Wetner fought a bear in real life wow and and I, I don't think he really fought him I think it was obviously some sort of exhibition thing because um, it wasn't a fight that bear went down <laughs> no I don't think Chuck, I don't think he was winning very much um, but um, yeah but Chuck Wetner uh, went on to uh, I'm just trying to find it now but there, there was a movie made about Chuck Wepner, uh which might have be, just been called Chuck. Yes, it was. It was just called Chuck uh, from 2016 with um, Liv Schreiber, uh, who plays um, Chuck. And uh, and yeah, a drama inspired by the life of heavyweight boxer Chuck Wepner, who had a once in a lifetime bout with Muhammad Ali that would inspire the film Rocky. And uh, it was a, a great movie. Uh, and, and the film implies that Stallone borrowed heavily from his life and his experiences. Yeah. And the film also implied that he never got anything for it. And then very near the end of the movie, I think they said that he got something for it in the end. But uh, but there you Fortunate. go. Yeah. So so yeah. The, the the story behind the thing is is fascinating. I, I'm really well. I'm really I didn't know all of those details. And now I, I think I, I now need to go back and rewatch it and sort of consider how did that influence well, all of that. And I would recommend if you ever see the film listed anywhere, Chuck, look out for the film Chuck. It, it's really good. And and yeah. Um, and, and Chuck Wepner would go around saying to people, you know, you know, when Rocky came out, oh yeah, my movie's out. This is my movie. And he didn't get credited in <laughs> oh, it at all. No. There's nothing there at all. Um, which, uh, yeah. But, but Ron Perlman's in it as well. He's very good in that movie. Yeah. But yes, you, you should look out for the movie Chuck. Check out but, Chuck. But that's not being recommended. The one that's being recommended is the original Rocky. Rocky's event. You can watch Rocky and then you can go and find Chuck. That's the... A film as well, connected to all this, that, that I think has been something of a forgotten masterpiece because the Rocky films became a bit of a parody. The, you know, the fifth one was absolutely atrocious. Stallone himself says he's embarrassed by it. Yeah. He was on a chat show and he was asked if he would rank them out of 10, each of the Rocky films. Yeah. And when he got to number five, he said zero. Zero. Yeah. And uh, did not like it at all. But um, and, and he'd subsequently been critically acclaimed for his performance as Rocky in the Creed movies. Yeah. I think he certainly got nominated for an Oscar for one of the Creed movies. Uh, I don't think he won it, but he might have won a Golden Globe Award for his performance as Rocky in a Creed movie. But um, but there was another movie just before the Creed movies that was just called Rocky Balboa. And that was actually really... And I was reminded of this the other day, and, and it was such a such a great performance from Stallone as, as this, this old older man who... Um, and, and the premise of that was that on some American boxing program, they had somehow, using CGI and computer stuff, had put, um, like, boxing champions from their prime against one another. And and a computer simulation worked out who might have won. And it was the current reigning heavyweight champion of the world. And the computer simulation reckoned that Rocky Balboa would have have annihilated him. And, and, And through one thing or another, Rocky Balboa ends up having an exhibition match against, you know, so the old man comes out and fights... Oh. against the current heavyweight champion which is partly what was behind this story of George Foreman who 
actually regained his World Heavyweight Championship title as a grandfather. In the 1980s, he was, he was I think he was in his 50s at that point, and he went up against whoever was the champion of the time, might have even been Mike Tyson, someone like wow. that, and he won. And, and he temporarily regained the, the title. Proven it, yeah. Yeah, so, so the, the, the notion of a, of a, of a grandfather-type figure going back and winning... It's not out of this world, you know. No. Stranger than fiction, as they say. But in, in the original Rocky, there's a very famous scene where, as part of his training regime, he cracks a load of eggs into a glass and, and drinks them. In Rocky Balboa, when he starts the training again, at, now in a, as a man of, of advancing years, and he's, he wakes up and he's all croaky and grumpy, and he he puts some eggs into a, into a glass, he starts drinking them, and he runs over to the sink and vomits. <laughs> he's like, oh! Why would anyone do this? Yeah, and and it's uh, it's very funny as a contrast to that original scene from from all those years before. Any reference to the cold cuts? Yeah, um, I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> but but certainly, yeah, Rocky, a classic film, classic, uh, classic movie, and that's on on uh, Sunday the thirty first of July, nine oh five p.m. on ITV four. So Max, let's move to um, oh another film on that Sunday as well, ten thirty p.m. on Channel Four, Star Trek Into Darkness. Just in case Rocky wasn't enough for you, we've got uh, the sequel to the uh, the Star Trek Prime universe. Oh, not the Star Trek Prime, the Star Trek. You had the name for the universe, didn't you? Oh, they call it the Kelvin universe. The, Kel- the sequel into the Star Trek Kelvin universe. So this sort of big budget Chris Pine. Um J.J. Abrams' universe. Uh, this one sees the Enterprise find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization and have to go up, uh, go up against the people within the organization after a certain uh, terror attack causes uh, causes mass suspicion within Star Trek, uh, Star Trek fleet. Uh, Chris Pine, of course, stars uh, once again as. Uh, uh, Captain Kirk, Zachary Quinto returns as Spock, Zoe Saldana returns as Uhura, and Benedict Cumberbatch uh, appears as a, a strange individual who, you, if you're a Star Trek fan, you'll have no idea who he, he could be possibly be playing. It was like the worst kept secret ever. And the, and the worst thing was, was that the, the, basically the lies that were told, oh, no, 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 he's not playing that character. Yeah, he's, he's not playing that character. Oh, this yeah, character in particular, yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. A, there's a certain reveal within the film as well where people, people are just not really too sure what's going on. But uh, no, I, I'm recommending this one because even though. While I think it's got, it's not quite as uh, perfected as the the first of this like universe. I think this one is still very good, and especially for its it's this one's really quick paced. Like the whole the whole film, you jump from scene to scene really quickly, and there's some really sort of creative um, visual scenes in this. There's there's one particular scene where everyone is launched out of a um, epi- uh, what is it? Captain Kirk has to be launched out of a um, missile port, fired, fired himself as a missile a torpedo. And he, yeah, he's t- that's the word. It's almost like. Some, someone's a better Star Trek uh, fan here than I am, and it's not me. But um, he's fired out of the uh, to- Captain Kirk's fired out of the torpedo chute, and he's like he's he's flying through space, and it's sort of there's this whole POV as if you're inside the helmet and you're flying through all these asteroids. It's really intense. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you, are you a fan of these JJ uh, Abrams? I do. Like, I mentioned last time we had one of these. I really, li- I really like the original. I think I do like how. They're quite creative. I understand that, that there is a completely different tone going on compared to the original Star Trek films, but um, I like them. I, I love the first one that he did, and I think his casting is great. I think all of the cast are, are wonderful in their performances. We mentioned John Cho last time as well. As um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's good. And, and Anton Yelchin um, as uh, Chekhov, John Cho being Zulu, of course. Yes. Zoe Saldana, Chris Pine, um, Carl Urban, as Bones. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're all they're all really really good. Very well cast, uh, and I can't I can't take that away. And I think as well the visual look of the movie is is, is great. And and you know you see a lot of earth in star trek into darkness and the earth of the 24th century looks looks mm. really great you know the visually sumptuous you know the, this scene but i just i felt it was really lazy 
because mm. it's just a remake of Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, and they try and they try Who's to that? say it's not, but it is. It blatantly is, and there's some things that they directly borrow from that movie, which you sort of think they're going to spend all this money on it. They got all this opportunity to launch this brand new to Star make the Trek. same film. They, they'd ended that first movie in a way that they could have gone in any direction they wanted because they weren't tied by what happened before. Mm. So the 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 it was almost limitless possibilities because suddenly the with the whole time travelly thing, it reset everything. They could start again. It could yeah. show in a whole new. But no, they decided to go and retell an old story. So to to commit a massive Star Trek faux pas in front of you. Um, this is this was all of the Star Trek I saw. So I like this film because I'd never seen... The only Star Trek film I think I'd seen before, I think I saw Nemesis when I was a child, which is... Um, oh, the Tom the, Hardy and Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Yes, that one, yeah. So that was the only one I saw when I, when I was a child. So this was all my exposure to the original Star Trek universe. So while, you know, the, a certain reveal in this film didn't quite shock me as much because everyone told me there was going to be a certain person, mm. I, still, I still really enjoyed this film. Yeah. But I guess I haven't seen the, the film. It's uh, directly... Uh, emerging air quotes. Well, if you had seen that, you it would have made you aware of the bits where they had sort of borrowed from that first, from the earlier movie. But I just, like I said, I, I just think, and and I, I'd, I'd defy anyone to try to tell me different that that they could have gone anywhere with the storytelling. Yeah. So why, you know, with the third movie, they went in a different direction. Oh yeah, the they came up with an original story. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not entirely sure how well that worked. To be fair, but but that. At least they they did something original and different. Whereas with this this one, they, I just think no, they they just retrod ground that they've previously done. And you know, some people criticised the JJ um, Abrams Star Wars movie for doing the same for thing. doing the same yeah. thing where he basically remade the original Star Wars movie. Mm. Uh, and 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 I think he did that a bit with with Star Trek Into Darkness. Whereas the um, his his first Star Trek movie was very original. So I just think he could have done better. Try harder, JJ. Yeah, come on, JJ. That's all I'm saying. But it's not a bad film. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's uh, yeah. Uh, Sunday the 31st of July, Channel 4, 10.30pm, Star Trek Into Darkness. Let's move to Monday the 1st of August. We're into August now. Five star, 9pm, Inglorious Bastards. Where does the time go? Uh, in Nazi-occupied France during World War II, a plan to assassinate Nazi leaders led by a group of Jewish US soldiers... Co- coincides with a theatre owner's vengeful plans for the same. Uh, this film stars uh, Brad Pitt as uh, the leader of this troupe who pretty much go through Nazi Germany and uh, blow up as much as possible, uh, cause a lot of cause a lot of problems, and just generally, you know, uh, a kick ass. It, there's a wonderfully. T- I mean, you, you say Brad Pitt there, but. but- I would say arguably the best performance in it is Christoph Waltz. Oh, this definitely. He, he's fantastic. Christoph Waltz playing the uh, Colonel Hans Lander, the, the Nazi officer who is also nicknamed the Jew Hunter for being just the absolute worst person. I think probably the worst person you ever see in a film. Uh, I'm saying that's that's a very general one. But um, if you haven't seen this film, uh, watch the first ten minutes, and you will be hooked for the the entire rest of the runtime. That the entire first scene just really tells you exactly who this person is. Yeah, it, it is. Um, yeah, and that opening scene as well, so tense. It's brilliant. It is so tense, and 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 yeah, the, the Christoph Waltz is playing a character that is just truly evil, and 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 yeah, terrifying really. But but the way that that Tarantino, this is a Quentin Tarantino movie. The way that he made um, World War Two era 
France look was was quite something. You know, he, yeah. he really captured a great um, a great look to it. Uh, one of the little touches I liked because he puts in these little touches uh, that there's one bit where the, 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 there's a woman sat in a cafe waiting for somebody and she's reading the novel. I think it was The Saint in London, which I'm a fan of, <laughs> like The Saint. And I said, oh, he's put a saint. You know, that's a, that in there. that's a weird, weird reference. But but, you know, it was it wasn't. An, an anachronism it did the book was out by then and and uh, in fact had only recently made into a movie around that time but but yeah tarantino puts those sorts of things in and he wouldn't have done that by accident everything's very intentional in his films isn't it yeah yeah i mean i have i'm very opinionated on this one i personally for me i think this is tarantino's best okay. i i really i know that's probably uh, that's a very hot take that some people will tell you about but i really just think in terms of this all-star cast uh these the pacing of these scenes everything just it, there's this building sort of crescendo of like smaller acts of violence and bits of humor and bits of like sort of tension building up and when it gets to the last sort of act of this film there's just a, an explosion of uh, all of this tension all, all of these characters who've all had separate scenes all of a sudden interacting i mean uh brad pitt playing lieutenant aldo rain when he finally starts to butt heads with some of the other characters in this film um they are these sort of and I had to say, like so, some people seem very grounded, and some people seem very over the top. But when they all come together, it just creates an absolute storm. Mm. And and yeah, some of the other actors as well. Uh, Michael Fassbender's in there, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, th- there's there's some really good uh, Mike Myers from Wayne's yeah. World's in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you've you've got you've got an interesting cast that he that he's thrown together. Uh, but but it all works so well, and it looks so good as I well. Do the forties look wonderful. I'm sure I remember hearing a story originally about Mike Myers was meant to have a bigger role in a Quentin Tarantino film, but he wasn't he wasn't doing too well around the time this film was made. So instead, they just gave him a very lengthy sort of. Uh, little uh five minute cameo in this one okay well it's good to see him in something yeah. you know because he you know great great um actor and uh and yeah and, and christoph Waltz, of course wins the oscar for this he won best supporting actor at the oscars for his performance uh, well earned yeah 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 but uh, but a, a great uh, a great movie uh, that's uh, inglorious bastards which is on uh five star 9 p.m on monday the 1st of august let's move to tuesday the 2nd of august itv4 9 p.m we mentioned this film already on this show. He's back again. This week. It's Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. The uneventful, aimless life of a London electronic salesman and his layabout roommate uh, comes to a bit of a disruption when the zombie apocalypse happens. Uh, Simon Pegg stars as Shaun, funnily enough, who, when the world starts to come to an end, decides that the best plan he can do is go and rescue his girlfriend and then hide her in a pub for the rest of, uh, for the rest of things happening. Um, I, I love this film. I, this... It's just fantastic. It's a really, again, Edgar Wright, who was mentioned previously. Uh, Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost doing this sort of homage to, to the zombie film, the horror film. Uh, and it's just really, really funny the whole way through as well. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're great. They worked together on TV, didn't they? Yes. Um, Edgar Wright and um, the uh, short uh, Simon, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is based. Yeah. Mm. And what's the other guy called? Simon Pegg? Uh, Nick, Nick Frost. Frost. Yeah. So, yeah, they all worked together... Um, yeah, they all work together uh, on Spaced. And there is a little nod to Spaced, isn't there? Because isn't there one point where they're, they're going along an alleyway and then meeting them are all the characters from yeah, Spaced and they the all sort of walk space. past each other? All of their like, uh, immediate doubles. Yeah, because it is largely the same cast, isn't it? From- it is, yeah. It, it seems very that they were doing their time. I mean, even Spaced itself has an episode where it does, an, or an episode where it does some, some homages to zombies and things as well. So it is just sort of, it seems like Spaced was this sort of, this show where they had the the Channel Four budget to make all these film homages and have things be a bit crazy, and then they was they said, "Go and make us a film," and uh, this is the result. 
Okay, uh, that's uh, that's Shaun of the Dead, a great film, and, and such a loving tribute to zombie films as well. You, yeah, you you can tell that those guys love those movies. They're not taking a Mickey. They're 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 paying a wonderful, loving tribute to that in a comedic way. There are a couple of scenes while while I was laughing the whole way through this film. Uh, there are a couple of scenes where they really ramp up the gore to sort of uh, to show the homage, and it does make you. But when I first saw it as a teenager, it made me sort of stop for a minute and maybe gangle a little bit. So, <laughs> well, but I take that as a recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds very much like one. That, that's how I'd have taken it as well. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, that that is uh, the the film uh, Shaun of the Dead, which is on nine pm ITV four on Tuesday, the second of August. Uh, the final movie we're going to recommend for the week is on Wednesday, the third of August. A uh, great movie is at ten pm. As good as it gets. Jack Nicholson stars as Melvin Udall, a cranky, bigoted, obsessive-compulsive writer who finds his life turned upside down when his neighbour, artist Simon, is hospitalised and he's forced to take care of uh, his dog. Uh, while Jack is taking care of this dog, he sort of builds, starts to build relationships with the artist across from him, with his waitress, uh, the only person... with the waitress at his favourite cafe, who just barely tolerates him. And it's all about how he sort of learns to... Uh, have a new outlook on life uh, by interacting with these people and actually building relationships. I think I love the irony here that uh, Melvin Udall is this sort of uh, crotchety man who writes romance novels. Yeah, that's in particular that's the one thing from this film that's really stood off in my head. But uh, I mean, Jack Nicholson's performance is the main the main draw of this one. He really, um, I think, he's not playing. I want to say he's not playing a character type. I suppose he is because he's playing. You know, Jack Nicholson likes to play these characters who have a bit of an attitude. But I think the arc of his character maybe is something a bit different different for Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, I mean, it does show that he can do comedy as well as he can do drama. Um, yeah. It's a very funny film. It was written and directed by uh, James L. Brooks, who, uh, amongst other things, is the man behind The Simpsons. Yeah, which is... And I believe all the main cast of The Simpsons are in the movie. Yeah, they all make, all make little cameo appearances. Yeah, yeah. Um, as someone who has, I think, about a solid 70% of his brain dedicated to remembering bits from the simpsons that's a it's pretty useful to have to that's pretty you know good to know yeah okay um <laughs> but yes and 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 uh, it got nominated for all the big oscars when it came out and it won both best actor and best actress at the oscars it makes sense yeah and and yeah helen hunt was great uh, greg kinnear was in there as well wasn't he yeah um, he plays he plays the uh, the roommate from across or the yeah. the neighbor from across the hall yeah and Cuba he, Gooding Jr. yeah yeah it's it's got all these all these um you know not not a, they don't put a foot wrong this is as close as one can get, I think, to a perfect movie. Really? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I, I definitely I can get. I def, watching this film, I had such a. It, it made me feel better about everything, and there are some really great lines and just really great performances from everyone. So just go and watch it. It'll make you feel better, and it might change the way you look at life. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so you know, do do check it out. Uh, that's as good as it gets. A wonderful feel good movie, uh, and uh, yeah, very 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 funny, very sharp. Uh, script and, and great performances uh, from from all of its leads. That's uh, great movies. Ten p.m. on Wednesday, the third of August. Uh, Max, uh, if you have to choose one of those movies as your film of the week, which one would it be? This has been a really another really tough one for me this week. But I think just especially having now looked at it in a new light with uh, the stories you mentioned with Chuck Webner, I think it's going to go to Rocky this week. I think it has to. Okay, and that- it, it was a really really close call. <laughs> well, between. Oh, between <laughs> Star Trek Into Darkness. No, between uh, Inglorious Bastards, as good as it gets, and Rocky. It's, it's, it's a, you know, battle between those three for me. But I think having 
heard more about Rocky. I think I'd, I really want, I mean, I want to go and rewatch it. So I know when it's on as well. So I'm all set for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, the uh, films that Max has selected uh, that are on TV for the week ahead, you can find the list in the podcast notes right now uh, and also on our website at stalbanspodcast.com. Oh, I thought you wanted something. No, sorry, Max no. just clicked his fingers like he, no, 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 he no. wanted a minion to bring him something. No, no, that, that Max, was, you are the minion. That, that was my finger clicking. That's, that's just my mm. arthritic 24-year-old body. Oh, dear me. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, Max will be uh, back again in a couple of weeks' time because Max normally does the second Wednesday of the month. Uh, sorry, second Friday of the month. Why did I mention Wednesday? It's not as if we record on a Wednesday yeah no Max does the second Friday of the month and when there is one he does the fifth Friday as well the elusive uh, fifth Friday yes and there's a couple of them in the year so we do sometimes get get two lots of Max um, we do spoil you sometimes yeah that's one way to look at it but uh, yeah so, we do spoil your week sometimes yeah <laughs> okay so uh yeah next week on the film guide it is the return of howard linsky no less Mm. uh he'll be here uh for next week's film guide so i hope you can join us for that one as well uh but in the meantime um you know stay alert take care go and watch rocky